Our Old Testament lesson this morning is from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And this is, um, we found on page 330 in your pew Bibles. And this is at a kind of transition time in the history of uh, the Hebrew people as they are coming out of well, they've come out of Egypt and slavery there. They've come through the wilderness, and now it's time for them to start going into the promised land. But Moses has died. So who's going to lead them, and how is that going to work? And that's where the book of Joshua begins. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you have given to us. We thank you for your word, and we ask that you would Help us this morning. Help us to hear it. Help us to receive it. Help us to live it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Turning then to Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. It picks up uh, a story with a, the verse 36, which says, while they were still talking about this. What is it they were still talking about? They were still talking about that time uh, on that first Easter Sunday when Jesus appears to two men who are walking along the road, and they don't recognize him, but he explains how, uh, it says, beginning with Moses and the prophets, and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself, how everything in the Old Testament had been pointing to him, and he's explaining all this. And then as he breaks bread, they recognize him, and, they, and he disappears, and they go back, and they are just super excited <laughs> that Jesus is alive, and they understand now what uh, the scriptures have been talking about. And that is what they're telling everybody, and that is where we pick up. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. 
A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, uh, we are continuing our uh, our journey through the book of Acts. I was going to say our, our walk or our run. It really depends on the week is whether we're walking or running through the book of Acts. But we are still journeying through Acts, and we have been following Paul mostly the last several chapters, and, um, and his companions. And this week, we are in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. <clears throat> and here's how we're going to do this. First, I'm going to tell you a story. Then, I'm going to tell you a joke. Then, I'm going to tell you some grammar stuff that we just got to know about. And then, we're going to play a game. And that game is going to bring all this together as to what this all has to do with, uh, with who we are, where we are, and what all of this has to do with our lives today. All right, so first, the story. This is Acts, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. This is, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Okay, after what? This is after Paul's time that he spent in Athens. And this is where, if you remember, he went around and he saw that there were idols, and it really bothered him. <laughs> that there were all these idols. And there were people who were worshiping these false gods when Paul knows the one true God, and he's burdened for these people. Oh, that they would know him too. And then he finds that they actually have an idol that says, to an unknown God. And so he goes to them and he says, look, you're worshiping what you don't know. Let me tell you this God you don't know. Let me tell you how you can know him. And so he tells them the good news about Jesus. And of course, as we've seen throughout Paul's journeys, there are some people who receive the message with great joy, and there are others who don't. And then, uh, so it's after this that Paul leaves Athens and he goes to Corinth. And there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. This is when they meet, and this is an important, it's very important that they meet here. There will be a lot that comes because of this relationship between uh, Paul and Priscilla and Aquila. We'll leave that for another, uh, well, we'll deal with that next week, actually. So uh, he meets them. And they are only in Corinth because they were living in Rome and they've been ordered out because they were Jewish. So they end up in, uh, 
in Corinth. But everybody kind of ended up in Corinth from at one point. <laughs> it was this city that is, um, well, it was the Las Vegas of its day. It was a, a port city, and everybody came through there if you wanted to get from one side to the other. It was the narrowest spot. It's kind of like the Panama Canal, where, but this was before there was a canal. <laughs> so if you want to go across this narrow piece of land, instead of sailing all the way around, they would actually pick up the boats and haul them across and then put them back down and go that way. Pretty crazy stuff. But because of this, there were a lot of people there from all over the world, sailors and merchants and bringing all sorts of um, things and ideas and interests, and um, and then also who had some time to kill while they're there. So there were a lot of people with a lot of different views and some time to kill. So there, as you might imagine, it was a pretty wild place. And it was. It was the Las Vegas of the day. And <clears throat> what happened in Corinth stayed in Corinth. Whatever. So this is where Paul is now. It's where he meets uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And it says then he goes to see them. And because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. And every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. This is the pattern we've seen over and over. Every time Paul goes somewhere else to tell people about Jesus, where does he start? In the synagogue on the Sabbath. (laughs) This is where the people know the Old Testament. This is where they know the story, and this is where he begins. We're going to see that change here in just a little bit. Then it says, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Presumably here, uh, Silas and Timothy actually are bringing gifts with them, and so now Paul no longer is having to work and then preach on the side, but he's able to preach full-time. And then it says, here's the, he's preaching the same thing he's been preaching, and we get sort of the same thing we've been hearing. Verse, uh, well, read verse 5 again. When Saul and Timothy, Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. This is a huge moment. Everywhere that we've been seeing Paul go, and he's been going around to the Jews first. Right? That is what he's been doing. And yet, there, everywhere he goes, there are Jews and Gentiles who receive the message. But at this point, everywhere he's gone, he has received opposition from the Jewish people. This should not be surprising to him. Because before he met Jesus, he was part of that opposition. <laughs> he was one of the Jewish people who was saying, stop telling people about Jesus. And now that he's become a Christian, he's going around telling people about Jesus, and all the other Jewish people are saying, stop telling people about Jesus. And that's what he's encountered in city after city. Now, sure, sure, everywhere he goes, there are people who receive the message with great joy. But there are also always people who are um, making things very difficult for him as he goes. And at this point, enough. And so we see him make a break, and now he's specifically going to go outside, outside of the synagogues, and start talking specifically to Gentile people. Now this is one of those things where if you, if you think about the message of the kingdom of God, right, and if you were someone who lifelong, born in as 
uh, United States citizen. You're born a citizen. You've always been a citizen. And the United States, this is home. This is your country. And someone comes along and they start saying, look, we want to tell everybody um, that, you know, the United States, this country is, uh, you know, George Washington has come back and he's going to put everything even better than it's ever been. And everybody goes, hey, well, how about that? And then he says, but wait, there are people who are causing problems with that. Every time I try to tell people about it, they kind of push back. Some are excited, some are not excited, you know, politics, whatever. And then, and then he says, so you know what? I'm going to go outside the United States, and I'm going to start telling everybody around the world that they too can be citizens of the United States. You think you might have a problem with that? As someone who's a natural-born citizen of the United States, and now everybody just gets to be one? And wait a second. Okay, that's not what he's saying. But that feeling is what they would be feeling <laughs> when Jewish people are hearing Paul saying, this kingdom of God is not just for Jewish people. It's for everybody. That through Jesus Christ, it is for everybody. Everybody gets to be in the kingdom of God through Jesus. And so they are, one, on the one hand, saying, I don't think Jesus is the Messiah. And two, stop telling everybody else they get to be in on our thing. That messes up our thing. <laughs> right? That's the feeling he has. And he has finally, he's had enough. And he says, you know what? This is good news. It's good news for them, but it's good news for you too. And if you refuse to hear the good news, that's bad. That's bad news. And so he says, you know what? Your blood is now on your head because I told you the good news and you didn't believe me. And so he says, now I'm going to go to the Gentiles and I want you to see, he's been traveling all over the world. Look how far he goes to go from talking to the Jews to talking to the Gentiles. Here we go. It's great. Verse 7, then Paul left the synagogue and went next door. <laughs> I love that. I love that. There are people everywhere, right? And so you don't have to go all the way around the world to find people to hear about Jesus. He goes next door. That's where people are. So that's where he goes. And so he goes next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. And Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. All right. And we have the synagogue leader accepting this. Then one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in the city. This is a super important vision. We're going to come back to this in a little bit the other things I was telling you earlier. Okay. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. While Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. Wait, what just happened? Didn't Jesus just say to Paul that no one is going to attack you and harm you? And then like right after that, it says that they made a united attack? a second. I think that's an important and. There's no one who's going to attack and harm you. <laughs> they might attack or, no. Okay. Uh, so even if you're being attacked, don't worry. They're not going to attack and harm you. And so it says, and that's what happens then, is that uh, they brought him to the place of judgment. This man they charge is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. <sighs> Here we go again. And so Paul, getting ready to make his defense, and just as Paul, verse 14, was about to speak, Gallio said to them, before I read what he says, 
I got to tell you, uh, there's a, a guy on YouTube, Matt Whitman, who does a 10-minute Bible hour, and his take on this particular passage is excellent. Talks about this guy's political leadership being the same as uh, many of our parenting strategies, where it is: look, if no one's bleeding, if no one's dying, settle it yourselves. <laughs> you work it out. That's what's going on here. I love it. And so Gallio said to them, you know, Paul hasn't even made his defense yet, and Gallio's like, stop it. He <laughs> says, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names in your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he drove them off. Then the crowd there turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul, and Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. Look, y'all deal with this yourself. All right, we'll deal with it. Yep, there you go. But did you notice who it is they're, they're beating up? They're beating up the synagogue leader. They're not beating up Paul. <laughs> what is that about? I think one of the things that's about is this vision that Paul had from Jesus, right? Where he says, no one's going to harm you. And so they're all upset. They're like, we've got to beat up somebody. And Jesus is like, well, not him. <laughs> like, well, then we'll go beat up this other guy, you know? And um, so they beat up the synagogue leader. What's really interesting is there's only one other mention of a guy of this name in the whole rest of the Bible, and that is in the letter that Paul writes back to the church in Corinth. And he actually opens his letter. Go back to 1 Corinthians. He opens his letter like this. Verse 1, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God in Corinth. Is it the same guy? We don't know. But that sure makes sense to me. That this guy, who was a synagogue leader, by the way, it's, we've now seen two synagogue leaders in Corinth. The first one already became a Christian, and now it looks like the second one, after getting beat up, maybe he does two. <laughs> What happens? All right. But now I want to go back. I've told you the story. That's the story. We're going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a joke. It's time for the joke. <laughs> it's what you've been waiting for, right? So uh, you may have heard this one before. There's a panda bear who goes into a restaurant. He or- orders a nice meal, right? They bring him the meal. Panda bear eats the meal. It, it's delicious. When he's finished, the waiter brings in the check. And instead of paying the check, he just wipes his mouth, stands up from the table, pulls out a gun, fires it in the air, and calmly walks out of the restaurant. Well, everybody else is freaking out. And so (laughs) they chase him out, and they say, whoa, 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 what do you think you're doing? And the panda bear just turns around and says, I'm a panda bear, and starts walking off again. They say, no, 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 you don't just get to do that. You've got to pay your bill, and you can't be shooting things like this in the restaurant. What do you think you're doing? He says, I'm a panda bear. He says, what does that mean? He says, look it up. So he goes to the dictionary and looks up panda bear, and it says, a mammal that eats, shoots, and leaves. <laughs> takes takes something a little longer. All right. It's a... Uh, <laughs> That's a grammar joke. That's a punctuation thing. And it's nouns. <laughs> I reckon it's verbs or nouns, whatever. Anyway, 
The reason I tell you that joke is because I think there's a, an issue in our Bibles that requires some careful attention to punctuation. And I think, personally, I think the NIV gets it wrong here. And so I actually checked in a lot of other translations. Turns out the NIV is the only one who translates it this way, which is so weird. Um, okay, so here's the grammar thing. If you go back to the vision that Paul has, this, again, is uh, Paul being given exactly what he needs when he needs it. All right? Here he is at kind of this, this low point where he is, you know, look, I can't keep going on like this. I can't keep going to synagogue after synagogue and telling people about Jesus when they just keep abusing me one way or another. I'm done. I can't do that. And so he's like, but you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. This is what I've been called to do. It's what I'm going to do. <sighs> I don't know if I can do that either. And so when he's at this low moment, this is when he has this vision from Jesus. And the vision says, you know, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent. And in NIV, there's a period there. And then it goes on and says, for I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. I think that period's in the wrong spot. In the Greek... There is no period there. But that's because in Greek, they use really long sentences sometimes. And English doesn't like that. So in Ephesians, I think like verses 1 to 14 or 3 to 14, something like that, it's all one sentence. It's just ridiculously long. You can't do that in English. And so the translators have had to figure out how do we punctuate this in a way that makes sense in English. But I think by putting a period here, they do a disservice to the meaning. Because I think what Jesus is saying is, you don't need to be afraid, for I am with you. That completes the sentence. And then the additional part is, oh, and also, no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in the city. Those things, I think, hold together independently. You don't need to be afraid, for I am with you. And no one's going to attack and harm you, because I got, I got people here. But it's this, for I am with you that goes with uh, that first part. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. I am with you to give you the strength to do the things that I have called you to do, which, in this case, is to continue telling people about me wherever you are, wherever you're going. All right, now I told you we're going to play a little game. And this is uh, a game that I made up called Name 10. I'm a little frustrated. I've since seen it in stores like Name 5, and it's very much the same game, and I don't, I don't get any royalties on that. Anyway, um, but my version is Name 10 Things, because I think people are smarter than just Name 5, and my version is the Bible version. So you pick a topic, and then you try to see if you can name 10 places in the Bible where that gets mentioned. <laughs> so pick rocks, or pick water, or pick bread, or you know whatever it is. This time, we're going to look at a particular preposition prepositional phrase. We're going to look at this idea of God being with his people. Because this is, this is why I think that the uh, vision that Jesus gives him is this, is because you see it everywhere if you're looking for it. If you're not looking for it, you may have seen it a million times and missed it. My sister drove to El Dorado one night. There were deer everywhere. And she got here and we said, oh my goodness, weren't the deer terrible? And she said, I didn't see any deer. And then we were terrified. <laughs> the Bible's a lot like that. If you're not looking for it, you can miss it. 
So here we go. I'm just going to run through 10 places in the Bible <laughs> where it talks about God being with us. See if you've noticed any of these before. Uh, this is Exodus chapter 3. Moses, at the burning bush, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Right? That's the thing he gets there. And Joshua, we just read this. Uh, God says to Joshua as he's getting ready to go into the promised land, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And then a little bit later, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Psalm 23, we have David. It's the most famous psalm. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isaiah 41, uh, speaking to all of Israel of how he is, God is different than all these false gods that people are making and idols and all that. And he says, but look, I chose you, I took you, and this is what I have done with you. And he says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Flipping on another prophet, we have Zephaniah. And it says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. There it is again, that idea of him being with us. When Jesus then is born, one of the things uh, that is told to us by Matthew is that the, this is what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him. Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see how this is just running all the way through? Uh, I just picked out a few of them. Um, Ten, exactly. And then at the end of Matthew, when so that was at the beginning of Matthew. At the end of Matthew, the last thing Jesus says to the disciples after he's been raised from the dead is uh, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, etc., etc. And then he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Then, um, then we have Second Corinthians, as Paul writes back to this church in Corinth, after what he's experienced there, after what he knows now they are experiencing there, and he ends his letter, um, second letter, with, "May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you all." Once again, in Philippians. We have that famous uh, passage, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, and whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is where it's, (laughs) what's going on, and this is where it's all heading one day. If you go all the way to the end of the Bible, to Revelation, Revelation chapter 21, we have the new heaven and the new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is where it's all headed. This is what it's always been about from the beginning. If you uh, have ever um, heard of or read the book With by Sky Jatani, that is the 
case that he's making through the whole thing is we have so often missed that idea. The whole idea from Genesis to Revelation, from beginning to end, is that God has created a people to be with him. And we trade that preposition out for other things all the time. And so we want to see a life, as Sky Jatani puts it, we try to do life under God or life over God or life from God or life for God. I have to read his book to hear, understand what all those mean. But we try to do all those things. He says when really it's always been about is a life with God. This is what we have messed up. This is what Jesus came to bring. This is the encouragement Paul received in Corinth. And the good news is it's also the encouragement for us today. God is with us. And will be with us through the things that he's called us to do. So the question is, if he's with us, are we with him? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.